0: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So I am beyond thrilled to interview Pete Menefee, who I have worn the beautiful costumes that you designed in Hello Hollywood, Hello, but had never... Had the honor of meeting you until the reunion two years ago and one of the beautiful things about that reunion was getting to hear your talk about your career as a dancer and costume designer and get to go up and see the costumes that we wore that were so extravagant and beautiful so to, to meet you and say this is the person that designed and created these beautiful pieces of art that we wore they weren't just costumes we were wearing like i want to say like airtay like these beautiful art pieces. On our body every night that, that probably are worth more than my house. Like, there's just <laughs> the amount of energy and money and talent and time that went into that is just really astounding. Um, but I would love to start with your dance career because just hearing that, which I'd never heard that part of your story, I just knew the costume part. But if you wouldn't mind telling us, like, how you, and the road that took you to be a costume designer, but your story of the performances and movies and celebrities that you've done for is pretty remarkable. So in any way you want to tell us that journey, I would love to hear like how that works. Sure,
1: sure. Well, I was, I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, be a professional dancer for, for uh, 12 years. Uh, I got my equity card at 14. Uh, doing Summer Stock, playing kids in Summer Stock, and um, uh, uh, auditioned for Jerry Robbins for the movie of West Side, and uh, I didn't get it. But uh, he had me replace Elliot Feld in the National Company, and uh, uh, I, when I went on the road, my parents said I had to complete my first year of college. So a year later, I went on the road. And uh, in the middle of that, I was, uh, was given a call uh, to talk to someone about doing a movie in, in, uh, in Hollywood. And it was, uh, the movie was Bye Bye Birdie. And they flew me down from San Francisco and I tested for, uh, uh, for the role of Kim's boyfriend in it. And I didn't get that either. I have a, I have a bad history of not getting things, but they cast me as Harvey Johnson as the kid who can't get a date in it with a a squeaky voice. And uh, that was my, my first movie. And it it was pretty thrilling. It was, uh, uh, it was a whole other world. And, uh, and I was, and I was thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, And I ended up doing everything on the movie. I did pre-recording. I appeared in the movie and then I did the Foley work. I did all of the, uh, 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 overdubbing and, and uh, foot looping for the movie as well. And uh, so I, I, I got a taste of pretty much everything. And it, it was great. And I just stayed here and kept working. I was 18 when I did uh, Birdie. I was 18 when I was hired to do Birdie. I was 19 by the time we finished shooting and looping. Uh, when I was 21, I had uh, gotten audition for My Fair Lady as one of the costermongers, uh, and uh, I, I, I auditioned with George Cukor and and sang for them and was accepted. And uh, a week later, they said there's a, an audition for Mark Burrow and Dee Dee Wood for a movie called Mary Poppins. And it's going to be done at Disney. And I thought, oh, God, Disney. I, you know, I grew up on Disney and... Uh, uh, so I went to the audition and I got it. I was one of the, the, the 12 guys that were going to be chimney sweeps in the movie. They had us dance, of course, and tumble as well. All, all the guys were really good tumblers, uh, most of them a lot better than me. And uh, uh, I, I told Mark and Didi, I said, I, I have a problem because we're shooting during the summer and I have a, 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 a must start date. At Warner Brothers on uh, August third, and they said, "Oh, don't worry about it we'll it'll be you know we'll be done way before then." Well, they weren't and uh, uh, and of course, you know, Julie Andrews was upset that she had not gotten the movie of My Fair Lady, and so I begged the other dancers not to tell her where I was going <laughs> at the end of the week. And somebody told her. I couldn't believe it. And uh, we talked about it. Oh. We talked about it. But it was uh, it was a, a fabulous movie. Uh, Poppins was incredible to work on. Uh, Mark and Didi are incredibly, incredibly talented uh, choreographers, and so much fun to work with. And uh, and Disney was still alive. Walt used to come to our set every single day, every day at rehearsal. And we had to call him Walt. We were instructed not to say Mr. Disney. And we all had to wear, they let let us wear uh, bathing trunks and uh, T-shirts and we rehearsed (laughs) outdoors on a special stage they built for us with a tent above us, but it was open air. So it was very comfortable because the valley can be extremely warm in the summer. And uh, and and Walt came every day. He he just loved it. And at one point, the director wanted to uh, cut the number.
0: <gasps> no, that's the he, best absolutely number. Stevenson
1: hated the number, and he said, uh, uh, "You know, it has nothing to do with the book, the books." And uh, Walt not only didn't listen to him, but he made the number two and a half minutes longer. <laughs> So it was, he, he was a, a great champion and wonderful, wonderful guy to work with. Just terrific.
0: What was the rehearsal? How long was the rehearsal period? Like how many weeks, months, it, and how, how many it
1: hours? Was, well, no, it was a, a matter of weeks. As I remember, uh, we had probably four weeks of rehearsal in, in our rehearsal clothes and stuff. And that was to put the number together because they really didn't know kind of what it was going to be. And of course, because tumbling was involved, uh, the set, our rehearsal set was all on rollers. All the buildings were on rollers, so they could move them any place they wanted. They didn't know where everything was going to be until we laid the number out. And uh, and Dee, 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 Dee would get three of us on top of one of the roofs on the slanted roof and say, now, which of you thinks that you can do cartwheels down, down the road? And we'd all crash and burn and laugh. And she'd say, well, we won't do that one.
0: Oh my God. But we
1: did jump down chimneys. Uh, we did split jumps down chimneys and tucks. And, uh, and the interesting thing about doing that is the, uh, the first day that we, we shot, we shot all the hard stuff. We shot... Um, uh, doing handsprings between buildings, which were 15 feet off the floor. I mean, they're painted to look like they we're three stories high, but it, they were 15 feet. And the chimney drop was uh, between six and eight feet, depending on what chimney you were in. And um, so we shot all that the first day. And we came in the second day and Dede said, I want all the guys to sit down for a minute. I need to talk to you before you go into makeup. She said, the film is ruined from yesterday. It's all scratched. (laughs) And that had been the first night of of really good sleep I'd had during the rehearsal period. I used to have nightmares about going into the chimney. And uh, she said, now I'm going to give you guys a choice. You can either do it today again, or we'll do it at the end of the week. We'll do it on Friday. And we all voted to do it that day.
0: Because when we talked before we started recording, the, the new Mary Poppins is wonderful, but it is so different to have all the editing. So you guys did not have like No,
1: everything, everything that you see is, is us. It's, uh, it's real, absolutely, you know, real gut-wrenching stuff. <laughs> and the only time they used a, uh, um, um, a wire to fly people besides when Mary does the turns in the air was when we swing Dick out over the edge of the uh, stage. And uh, the first time we did it, the wire broke. Really? Yeah. And uh, thank God, you know, Phil Laughlin was hanging on to him uh, because he was he was out, you know, in in the air. Oh, my God. I wish there was was, a
0: lot of that, but just... The outtakes and the things that don't work would make amazing like blooper reel. But you guys were risking well, your life every day.
1: Every everything worked by the. I mean, we, that's what the rehearsal period was for. Everything worked by the time we got there. The only thing that was was difficult was the the uh, very first shot that we did was us dancing out of the out of the bank's house and down the street. First thing that we did, and we all had those those chimney brooms. Uh, that we danced with, and they had put rubber balls on the, on the top of them so that when you did walkovers with them, that the rubber ball kind of controlled everything. And we had been doing that on a, on a plywood floor for four weeks. Well, we all got dressed, and we went out, and I had to do walkovers with three other guys, a row of us, so we were right next to each other. And we walked out on the street, and the street was all cobblestones. <laughs> so the balls didn't really matter. You had to be very careful and try to place the ball in the middle of the cobblestones. They were all round. And uh, if you hit the top of one, you know, you went down. Yeah. You know. So
0: where did you go from there? Like, that's hard. That's hard to top. You can't really top that. You have to go a different direction because that's a pretty big, <laughs> pretty big start.
1: Yeah, it's well. It you know it. It helped. Uh, I was only 21 when I did Poppins, and it, you kind of had to be that young and yeah. you know careless <laughs> about yourself to uh, just go. Yeah, I, I can do that. Yeah, no problem. But uh, and then I worked on Fair Lady, which was terrific too. And and the, uh, and
0: the stage version or the movie.
1: No, the movie. I'm oh. one of the costermongers that do. Uh, Wouldn't it be lovely with with uh, oh. Audrey, and then don't recognize her in the film when she comes back all dressed up as a lady. Oh, I have to pull and, that video out.
0: I have to watch that movie. Yeah,
1: well, I don't do much. I dump garbage on her. <laughs>
0: That's simple.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah, it is. And we shot a whole opening with us opening the Covent Garden Market, and. Uh, uh, I remember throwing uh, 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 big trays of flowers up, and you know you had to throw it at the right angle so they could photograph it properly. Well, all they ended up using for the credits were the flowers. You know, we shot for two weeks in in rain. We shot. I had triples on my costume because we'd do a take and then it would start start to rain, and we'd all run for cover and then they'd change clothes and we'd shoot it all over again. But it was very exciting, you know, and, and Audrey was a dream to work with. So oh, was yeah. Julie. Yeah. You know, both two pro two pro women.
0: So you've worked with some pretty major stars. Do you want and to Anne tell? Margaret
1: and Anne Margaret. And Anne Margaret. And yeah.
0: yeah. Just some just some it's, little major. Yeah. So did you did you design costumes for Anne Margaret as well? I feel like one of your sketches I've seen, or that was just Bob Mack.
1: No, no, no. I've uh, later on when I became a costume designer, I did, I did, I did her Vietnam tour. Really? Bob Hope, yeah. It was the first thing I did for, her. and uh, it was very, very exciting and strange to work with uh, Anne Margaret and Roger, and not be pushing a three hundred and Sixty-pound motorcycle and back over.
0: So, how does how does one make a jump from dancing in film and stage to designing costumes?
1: Well, I've always drawn. I've I've uh, uh, I was able to draw before I went to school, and and draw not badly, not badly. And I never really took art in school. I was in college prep, and uh, my my major in college was. Uh, uh, Slavic. I speak Russian, and uh, and my minor was poli sci, political science. I wanted to be a diplomatic interpreter.
0: Wow! <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, you know, I had too much fun to, uh, dancing and performing. Yeah. You know, but I worked in Moscow with the circus, and uh, I was able to get all the marochnaya I, I wanted. It was ice cream, <laughs> and it's terrific there. Really is it was uh, it was fun and it was it was fun to uh, uh, to be able to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah.
0: A hard, hard language I've heard.
1: It's no harder than Greek. It's um, it's just a different alphabet. You have to learn uh, the Cyrillic alphabet when when you're beginning. But uh, uh, so I've always drawn. Never took art in school. Never did. Always, you know, doubled languages, doubled math, doubled, you know, sciences. And uh, uh, when I was performing, I performed essentially almost my whole career as either a kid or a teenager. And uh, when when I was getting to be 25, it got to be kind of a drag to go to auditions and I'd be 25. And everybody else would be 16 and 17 and 18, and a lot of times I'd still get the job, but it was—I uh, I, I don't know—I—I I, I, for starters I couldn't see any kind of a future in it. I—I I didn't think I was going to end up being Hollywood's oldest teenager, <laughs> <laughs> doing beach party beach party movies in a walker, <laughs> and uh, so I. I I wanted I wanted to do something else and I tried choreography. I was an assistant choreographer and I choreographed a series called Where the Action Is for Dick Clark a rock and roll show. And I had a good time doing it, but you know, it it wasn't really making it. And after I had opened uh in Vegas with Ann Margaret's uh motorcycle act in 66 or 67 uh I I came back to Hollywood, and I had always I always drew, and at that point I was doing split pen and wash drawings that were like Renaissance drawings, and uh, somebody saw them, a friend of mine uh, Tony Urbano, who was a designer for the Crofts, for he designed the puppets for Crofts, he did all that stuff, and he looked and he said, "Did you draw this stuff?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, how would you like to work this weekend as a sketch artist? And I said, shh, what does a sketch artist do? And he said, well, designers sometimes don't draw and then they tell you what they want and you draw it. And then they present your sketch. And I, I, at that point, I I mean, I I danced and I'd certainly worn a lot of costumes. I mean, (laughs) Bob Mack and Ray again had designed for me as, as a dancer for for ah. years and years on television, you know. And uh, I remember tumbling on one of the things and Ray just laughed and laughed because they wanted at one point for us to uh, do backflips, flip-flops. And uh, he just thought it was such a curious way to make a living. And he, he was probably right. But... Uh, I, I thought everyone did their own drawing. Bob did. And I had Bob, seen his Bob stuff. Me, I want Bob, Back Bob Mac, yeah. You know, just who,
0: Bob was,
1: who, was, who was Ray's assistant at that point. And Bob worked as a sketch artist for a lot of people, for uh, Edith Head. And yeah. uh, anyway, so Tony said, uh, we'll come this weekend. He said, I'll tell you what, he said, we'll pay you $500 for the two days. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty good to me. You know, you, you, had to, you had to be on something like Poppins to make that kind of money uh, where you did specialty stuff like Tumblr or or, 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 or acted. Um, but a regular dancer got like, you know, $280 a week or something. I've forgotten, I've forgotten what we all got, but it wasn't a lot. And uh, so I, I drew that weekend and Tony taught me how to paint with gouache and how to outline like Disney, with a contrasting color. And uh, I started, I started uh, drawing for people. And Tony said, "You know, you're you're good at this." And he said, "And you have such good ideas." He said, "You should do this for a living." I said, "Well, you know, I don't I don't sew, you know." And he said, well, a lot of designers don't sew. And he said, go to, uh, I said, but I don't know how the stuff goes together. And he said, he went, he had gone to uh, an, uh, an institute here called Chenard Art Institute that was in downtown LA. And uh, he said, uh, uh, check into it and, and see, and you could go there and, and, and learn what you needed to, to learn. So I, I called the people and I went down and I interviewed and I ended up taking the Jonathan Winters Variety Show as a dancer, which was a lot of fun anyway. But uh, we we uh, uh, did a run through on Wednesday and we shot on Friday. So Monday and Tuesday, I went to night school at chenard Art Institute. And I learned how to uh, uh, draft patterns and uh, uh, enlarge and diminish patterns and drape, drape fabric and stuff. And I literally learned, uh, Construction, you know, and at the end of, of two years or two, two seasons of Jonathan Winters, I thought, you know, I felt ready to do it. So I put a portfolio together and I went all over town to all the producers that I'd worked for as a dancer, as an assistant choreographer and as a choreographer. And I said, I I've, I've put together a variety show. With a host and hostess and guest stars and dancers and you know funny stuff and and uh, pretty stuff, and I said this is what I I would like to try to do now. And um, Nick Vanoff, who did the Hollywood Palace that I danced on for the first five years, off and on because it was a, a week a week a weekly show, but you weren't hired for the entire season; you were hired by the number. So I, I danced on that a lot. But I danced with Groucho Marx. I danced with Alice Faye. I danced with Julia Proud. I danced Uh-oh. with Cheetah Rivera on it.
0: Whoa. I danced
1: with Ann Miller. I, danced with, I tap danced with Betty Grable on it.
0: Oh my and
1: God. Uh, So uh, Nick, who had been a Broadway dancer, Nick Vanoff, the producer, uh, sent me to a lot of people. And one of the people he sent me to was Chris Beard, and Chris uh, produced the Andy Williams show. And Chris l- loved the, the portfolio. And he said, uh, how would you like to do Andy's Christmas show?
0: And uh-huh. I said, whoa. <laughs>
1: I said, I'd, I'd love to do it. So I came home and a friend of mine that I'd gone to college with, a guy named Eric Jemvik, had been Bob Mackey and Ray Aguian's assistant. And I called Eric, I said, oh my God, I just got my first, my first gig. I said, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing the Andy Williams Christmas show. And he said, oh, he said the the guy who designs Andy's show is a guy named Rhett Turner. And he's the head of NBC wardrobe. And everybody loves him in town. And if you kick him off the show, he said, you're going to uh, come in with everybody hating you. So I called Chris the next day and I said, look, I'm not Eve Harrington. I don't, want, I don't want to come in and screw somebody else's career up. And he called Red on the phone while I was there and he said, I have a young man here who I think is very talented and I'd like him to assist you on the Andy Williams Christmas show.
0: That was and- nice. Yeah,
1: and of course, you know, he was the producer, so Rhett couldn't say no, but when I I got a taste of what it would have been like had I taken the job uh, as designer, everyone was ice cold to me, ice, I was the guy the producer had shoved in, you know, and the second day, Rhett and I were working together, and he said, can you draw, and I said, yeah, and so he said, well, I have a number that I haven't really figured out yet. It's a dance number. And he said, it's about a three-legged ballerina that can only waltz. And they're, they're uh, it's uh, the boy and girl uh, are, the ballerina and the and the male that works with her are toys on top of a music box. And I said, oh, that's charming. That's great, That that's easy to do. And he said, well, what do you think it should be? And I said, well, you know, first of all, you have to worry about her having a third leg, which means <laughs> she has a fake arm and she works her third leg with, with probably her right hand. And uh, he said, yeah, he said, and you can't have a ballet costume. I said, yeah, but you could do it Biedermeier, you could do a German Biedermeier in 1834, and she'd have a, a three quarter length tutu on, and, uh, and they'd look more like toys, they'd look like German toys. So I sketched it for him. <laughs> and at the end of that week, I was hired as staff sketch artist at NBC. I drew for everybody there. Wow. Yeah, it was a great, it was a, from, from being in a very bad position, it turned out to be, uh, you know, just fabulous. Yeah. And I drew, I did, I drew everything uh, at NBC except Laugh-In. Michael Travis did drew his own stuff for Laugh-In. But I did uh, Andy Williams for Red. I did the Dean Martin show. Uh, I did the Bob Hope specials for Kate Drain Lawson. I drew for everybody, and it was it was great because it made it forced me to to learn to draw really fast. And uh, at one point, uh, the the uh, other head of, of of the wardrobe of the NBC wardrobe, Angie Jones, called me in her office, and she said. Uh, I've shown Edith Head some of your sketches and she would like you to assist her on a Debbie Reynolds special. And I said, oh great, I said, I'd love to do it. So the next day, Edith came in and I met her and we talked about the special and I started drawing some stuff. And I was so stoked about it that that night I went home and I drew some more stuff that we had talked about but I I hadn't had time to say, well, what about this? What about this? So I came in the next morning at eight, and Angie called me in the office and she said, Edith quit yesterday.
0: Oh, I wow. said, You're kidding
1: me. And she said, No. She said, Now, do you have the sketches you did yesterday? I said, Yeah. And I said, I have some new stuff too that I wanted to show Edith today about things that we talked about. And uh, she looked at them and, and she she got on the phone and she called the producer and she said, Bob wants to see them go to his office. So I got in my car and drove over to Bob's office and he looked at the stuff and he looked at me and he said, do you think you could do the special? And you know, 20, 26 years old, yeah, sure, I can do the special, no problem. You know, and I ended up doing, uh, my first job was a, a Debbie Reynolds special, with seven hundred children on location in San Diego, where I'm from, in Balboa Park, the first day we shot was in Balboa Park. So wow. it was, yeah, it was incredible, and uh, and I did very well with it. And people saw it, and I got jo- I I only sketched for people for three months, and then and the first job the first job offer I got was the Hollywood Palace from Nick Vanoff. So I, I danced on the first five years and I designed the ninth year.
0: That's an amazing
1: connection that
0: go, Oh, that's how you get to be a designer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it just happened. It was, it was spit spot. I mean, the, the last job I did was in November, uh, the beginning October and November, I, I was a dancer, uh, with cleats on my shoes and I did acrobatics around Peggy Fleming while she skated on her first TV special.
0: Uh,
1: it was hysterical. Right. I did, uh, 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 three of us did a number called American in Paris with Peggy and they had a big American flag painted on the ice and we were shooting at MGM studios and Bob Mackie was doing the clothes and I had sailor whites on and, uh, Uh, And I'm from a Navy family, so I know how the ties go and everything. So so we were supposed to shoot at eight, and uh, uh, they kept wanting to shoot something else, and then they'd have to do a promo and stuff. Well, it got to be 11.30 at night, and finally they came on stage five, and they said, okay, we're ready to do American in Paris. And my first thing was a split slide up to Peggy's feet across the ice. Well, at that point, the ice had melted. So there was like an inch of of water. And I said, aren't, aren't you gonna squeegee that up before I get wet? Because I didn't have it double on my costume. And they said, don't worry about it. I'm worried said, because.
0: Okay. I so
1: they, they cued me and they started the music and I did a split slide up to Peggy. And of course, water just flew on both sides of me. And they said, God, that looks terrific. Let's get a hose and hose the ice down. <laughs> it's, it's October, this the end of October at MGM at 1130 at night. And I was tumbling on literally wet ice. It was I I've never been so cold. They didn't have a robe for me. They didn't have changes for our costume. And all Bob kept doing was screaming at the uh, at the assistant designer because my tie would get crooked. Oh. And they'd retie my tie and I'm standing there soaking wet, going, oh, Jesus. Man. I thought this is the end. I don't want to do this for a living anymore. You yeah. know, I couldn't, you know. Sounds because the
0: way you get treated on a lot of things. Like yeah, that. it is.
1: Yeah, that we, you're just a piece of scenery. You're you're a prop, really. Yeah. And uh, and and no nobody said I'm sorry. Can we get you a hot cup of coffee? Can we, you know? And we shot until one in the morning. Wow. And we did a million takes on it. And and they between takes they'd take a hose and hose the ice down so that when I did slide on the ice, that it would fly. And that happened in October. In November, I took my, uh, my portfolio around. I was hired to do Rhett's job in November. We started in November and ended the beginning of December. Uh, and the, and the, the Edith Head thing happened in February. And by, by uh, April, by March, I was doing Hollywood Palace. And I've worked ever since.
0: So, how so did it you was, do these giant Vegas shows with Don Arden? Because that's like a huge cast. That's a, I mean, the.
1: Well, I had, I had a lot of background. Uh, uh, one of the jobs I got hired for uh, early on, uh, besides doing big TV specials, uh, was a uh, uh, Miss Universe. And I did uh, Miss Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, Miss Universe, and Miss America for, well I did Miss Universe for 20 years. I did Miss America for nine, and 20 years for the other ones too. But on Universe, sometimes I'd have 98 women and they'd have 12 changes. And I didn't have uh, sizes on most of them either. Or they'd lie about their sizes, (laughs) you know. I'm a two.
0: Oh man. Everybody
1: was a two or a zero.
0: That doesn't work in your favor when someone's doing a costume. For, to no, it really, it,
1: it, I, I, you know, I kept saying, please be specific and, and don't tell me you're dieting and this is what you hope to be when you see me at fittings mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> because things aren't going to fit, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and And that happened all the time, but I was used to working with big numbers of people of handling uh, uh, big, big big numbers i 'm quite organized and uh, and I always have hired people that are even better than me <laughs> who are even more organized uh, uh, to work with me as assistants and uh, I did stuff I did the unveiling of the Statue of Liberty for David Wolper you know, when they, when they uh, uh, had the two big specials and Gary Smith was doing the opening who I'd worked for a great deal. And Don Misher who I'd worked for a great deal was doing the closing ceremonies. And uh, so I went to David Wolper with my portfolio. And I said, you know, they both at both producers asked me to do both jobs and David Wolper didn't want didn't think one person could do it. And I showed him my portfolio and what I'd done. And, uh, and he hired me to do both of them. Oh. And the opening that I did for Gary Smith had f- over 4,000 costumes in it. The closing for Don Misher had 14,700 costumes that were all fit. Oh that my. were all fit. They were all constructed and fit. We had groups, we had 2,500 girls tap dancing with Liza Minnelli to New York, New York. I had uh, I had 200 Elvises and then oh. uh, 400 teenagers in rock and roll clothes that worked with the Elvises in the Elvis segment. Shirley MacLaine had 48 dancers with her. You know, and then... And I had Gene Kelly and I had Patti LaBelle and Liza and I had all the, the principals to take care of too.
0: Oh my gosh, I need to see if there's footage of these things.
1: It's incredible when you look at it. Yeah. It's, in fact, I remember uh, doing the, uh, the first thing we did was was the, the marching band and the finale. And they came out and I had rigged it so their capes changed color, you know, uh, depending on how you looked at them. And I remember Michael Peters turned to me and, and said, you know, you should do this for a living. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, if there's something bigger than this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's and, and you had to be very careful with money you know on something like that but obviously everything isn't going to be a a thousand dollar costume
0: so speaking of that i would love to get to jubilee and hello hollywood because when you did your talk at our reunion to hear how much those costumes co- were back then and that's like in yeah so, it's still amazing like the the I miss mean, rossi crystals of the the quality wasn't there was nothing that was
1: yeah the one thing, the one thing that Don insisted on was top quality and everything. And the thing that was, uh, you know, such a privilege to work for him uh, and with him uh, was he opened he opened the whole world to me. You know, I was used to working in in New York. I'd done Radio City Music Hall. I'd certainly worked a lot in Hollywood, but all of a sudden. I was in Paris with my own jeweler and my own bootmaker and I was at Maison Favrier, you know, meeting Giselle and having them say, you know, we're going to order all your feathers from South Africa and uh, what do you want? And, you know, it was, in- it was incredible. It was all first quality, all absolutely first quality. And it was, and I'll always be, uh, be grateful to him for doing that for me because it, it just, it opened everything, everything up. It was unbelievable and, uh, uh, and we were in pretty good shape with uh, both Hello Hollywood and uh, Hello and uh, Jubilee because the uh, uh, French franc I think was uh, eight to one then but uh, still a, a principal's costume. <clears throat> Could very easily be twelve, fifteen thousand dollars by the time you get the jewelry done. You yeah. get you get uh, spring steel braces done for to construct the feathers on that go on the backpack. and you know you, it, it's it's uh, incredibly expensive. And I remember with uh, uh, particularly with uh, Hello Hollywood, uh, I would I had four weeks of budget meetings with al benedict with all all the heads of of mgm grand at that point and you know you you'd say uh, this is the principal costume principal female nude and they'd go oh it's beautiful and i'd say well you know uh, between courtney's and maison Favrier in paris and uh, swarovski and and uh, uh, the other people it's, it's, this is going to cost $12,500. And they wouldn't bat an eye, but then oh. I would do, I would do your line, like the kick line, the tiller line. And I'd say, now these are, these are, I think they were over 2000 a piece. And yeah. I think there were 40, I think there were 48 of you. And, uh, and there were so many pieces to that costume. And I have so many pieces and they'd say, we need you to cut forty-five dollars off every costume, <laughs> and you'd go, "Uh, okay." You know, but it, just for the Tiller costume, you know, your boots were made in Paris, the the boots, and one was yeah. orange and one was pink. Uh, the cape was made at Courtney's that you did your opening parade in. The gold pleated cape, yes,
0: love that. The
1: the nude leotard with the uh, ruching at the neck and and the bum was made at Elizabeth Courtney's. That was the most expensive thing. The gauntlets were made at Elizabeth Courtney's. The headpiece, the skull was made at Elizabeth Courtney's. The wig was made at a wig place that made dummies wigs. The hat was made at a plastics place that, (laughs) that, that made special plastic stuff and it had a covering that our milliner at Courtney's made that was beaded at a beater's, that went on top of that. And then that attached to the skull. And it also had a stanchion made of number 15 spring steel that was wrapped in in fabric and then had feathers that attached to the stanchion. And the stanchion was just to hold the feathers erect for the number. So, you know, by the time you got done with that costume, hundreds of people had touched it. Hundreds of people, wig makers and boot makers and jewelers and embroiderers and fabric sellers. And, you know, it was incredible. And the uh, the reason I'm I'm using that as an example and how complex it was, was when we were putting the stuff together and the last thing that came were the feathers from Paris. For the for the headpiece, and uh, and Tommy had had made all of the hats. Uh, our milliner was a lady named uh, Tommy Thompson, and uh, she had made all the hats. So we had all the hats on hat blocks, and they had the the wigs on them already, and you know everything was done except the feathers. Well, the feathers came, and we were counting, and there was one more feather than hats. Everybody had neglected to do one hat. One oh. hat was missing. Now that meant not a hat was missing, but it meant that nobody had pulled the skull. Nobody had done the lining for the skull. Nobody had done the cover for the skull. Nobody had done the wig. Nobody had done the hat, the plastic hat. Nobody had done the, wi- the, the uh, embroidered covering for the hat. And nobody had done the, wi- the, the uh, wire. So, seven people screwed up.
0: It's amazing because when you talk about the construction of this, like I think people see the costumes, and they, you know, we're wearing feathers, we're wearing metal. Because oh, yeah. I, my first professional show was Hello Hollywood. I came at 19, oh. no idea. I've seen the show Vegas on TV with Dan Tanna. And like, but I just remember when you stand there and then they lower those headpieces onto you from like above, and you have dresses. Yeah. Like, and now go dance. But you still, your stuff was movable. Like, that is a beautiful thing signed by a dancer. But I have to say, starting with Hello Hollywood and going to other shows, and like, I have to dress myself. Like, I don't have a dresser. And, like, what is this piece of fabric? And so I felt like going, you know, moving up to Hello Hollywood instead of, the other shows were wonderful. But there was something of getting to wear the best of the best.
1: That you got absolutely the best. Yeah
0: oh, this is what I'm wearing? But I used to wear Pete Menifee's costumes.
1: (laughs) And you know, the other thing was in my contract for both Jubilee and Hello Hollywood Hello, it said that it stated in the contract that the costumes had to last at least seven years. Well, Hello Hollywood, Hello was 13 and Jubilee was 35 and a half. So they got their money's worth. They got their amortization out of it.
0: Oh my gosh. So how many, I know our cast was, um, I think it was 150. Yeah. You said there's 40 something in just Tiller, but there are, like, I remember working with people, I never even saw it, we're on the opposite side of the stage, it's as big as a football
1: field.
0: People think I'm exaggerating, it was that big.
1: No, on Hello Hollywood, Hello was the biggest stage production that had ever been done and it was choreographed well you 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 know when what you just said was the reason it was it was that way that you never saw the people is some people only work stage right and some people only work stage left because by the time you danced all the way across that stage the number was over Right. (laughs) so it was blocked so you were in two halves. Do you
0: have an idea of what I mean do you remember what the cost was to make those costumes for that many people at that top of the I, line quality
1: I, I don't and on that one I had I made a mistake I, I had a lot of different people I had five different costume companies making my stuff and uh, and all I did was drive in my car for a year and a half from really? one company to another and try to put out fires yeah yeah
0: what was and, the time? Frame of when you started designing till when the show opened and people were wearing those beautiful. Year and a
1: half, a year yeah. and a half, and it sounds a year and a half sounds like a long time, but uh, not it's, that was. It's, it's not when there's that much uh, complex stuff done, and when you're also very concerned about making the stuff last, and you know making back braces and stuff out of spring steel, and you know learning learning about all that it's uh It's extraordinarily complicated, and you need the best help in the world and I've always had it I've always had it. The kids that work with me are unbelievable. Wow but it's, uh, but hello, Hollywood was scary because I'd never done one like that before, and I think we, we were talking earlier. Uh, I had to audition just like everybody else did. Bob, he asked Bob and Ray to do uh, uh, Hello Hollywood Hello originally because they had done Hallelujah Hollywood for him. And frankly, I don't think they were ready, ready for another big show at that point. And they recommended me. And he had, by that time he had already hired uh, Bill And uh, uh, Bill had designed for Don for a long time. He'd done all the Desert Inn shows for Don. And he was an excellent designer. He had done all the Disney on parade shows. And uh, he had already hired Bill to do the opening, which was the plane landing, and uh, to redo a number that Don had done before called San Francisco that had the earthquake in it. Uh, and, uh, that was originally, that number was originally in, uh, show me America at the desert Inn, And, uh, so, and Bill had designed it. So he wanted Bill to do that. And when I showed him my stuff, my portfolio, it had a lot of Disney in it. So he, you know, I guess he thought, well, you know, circus, you know, he'll be good doing circus. And, uh, so I was hired to do just circus, just the circus. And the fourth number was going to be ben, Ben-Hur. Ben And I used to get on my knobby knees every night and pray to God that I did not get Ben-Hur. I didn't want to do Ben-Hur. I thought, Jesus, a horse race, leprosy and a crucifixion. That's perfect for a cabaret show. <laughs> And I was so scared that he'd want me to do it. And um, uh, that spring, Star Wars came out. And it, and everyone went, oh, my God. And space became the thing. so Don called me and he said, uh, I want to do a space number. And I'd love for you to do it. And I, they, I was in hog heaven. I oh. had more fun doing that number than I, I've had probably doing anything in my whole life. I'd never worked with plastics before and uh, and the whole number's plastic. Well, the and those robots.
0: Mirrors, it was the I was a space curtain, the disco that came down on that giant ship. Oh. Those mirror things were so yeah. much fun because it felt like even though we had a lot on we could dance like wild on yeah. I, I love that number because if the choreography was fun but that costume you could move in really yeah. really well.
1: That was would they the kids tried to get me to ride that down one day? And I was too chicken shit. I wouldn't do it. I just would not do it. I couldn't step over that thing and get on that. I don't know how you guys did it.
0: That's what, so I was talking to Ann Green. Uh, I interviewed her. She was in Jubilee um, wore a lot of your costumes, but we were talking about like you're stepping on elevators going up, you're getting on sets, you're walking over horse poop. Like it's so glamorous, but the backstage (laughs) is a whole show in itself of like, having your costume lowered on you and then like running to get to your next thing and your giant heels and a huge feather thing. But yeah, the San Francisco with the sets, you know, the floor opening up or then coming down. Yeah. It was, I'm glad like how you did those things at 20. We didn't know any better to question. It was like, sure, I'll do that. But now if i said go even stand on that stage with a a set moving would be uh, the wisdom would set in now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely uh uh that when you were talking about how glamorous it is uh Siegfried and Roy uh were were in hello uh, in hello Hollywood hello originally right and their their cat their cat uh place that they kept the the cats was on stage right and it was the second room up from the feather room right oh so, we, one, one night uh, uh, one week during uh, rehearsals, uh, the uh, uh, the the waterfalls flooded in space and it, and yeah it was a mess and they said, "Everyone go home for four days." And we all went, "Oh, thank God." So we all left and we all came back and uh, the cats had peed. And the P had gone from one dressing room because it was higher than, than the feather room down into the feather room. And it had gotten all over the night and day fans.
0: No! The black
1: and white fans, yes. Oh. And it had, they were ombre, so it not only yeah. stunk, but it ruined the ombre. So we were going through them trying to figure out which ones could be saved and which ones couldn't and order new ones because they came from Paris and they had to be done you know, spit spot. And we were trying to, to utilize all of them and clean them as well as we could. And one, one uh, during a dress rehearsal, I was walking by and I heard one of the, there were two English girls walking by me that were going to do night and day and they were in the rhinestone dresses. And one of them was fanning herself with her, her black and white fan. And I heard her say, I swear there's kitty cats in backstage I can smell them <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to tell her what she was smelling oh my
0: gosh like it was a, quite
1: kiddie. a big quite a big kitty cat
0: I was in that piece I love those dresses and those fans. oh they
1: were so beautiful so, so beautiful I'm, on stage
0: I'm actually at the, at the end of our time and the end of my battery okay. oh, but I just have Uh, I have to say, I think I sent it in an email after the reunion of how beautiful it was to go back and see who I was in. I think I'd even mentioned like, because I was not wearing a lot of clothing and I had this shame about that. And when I saw the show, how beautiful. And so I I emailed you or I think on Facebook and I said, though, I felt so beautiful and feminine and empowered Mm -hmm. in your costumes you designed. And I saved what you sent back to me is you you said you've heard you heard other women say that we had you know body issues or different things we've had about our self our beauty and you said that I'd like to take credit for those costumes but you ladies were so beautiful you just didn't know it and those costumes enhanced it. Yeah. And I save that because I will teach a showgirl class with my friend Anne and we talk about those costumes and it isn't parade it's not cabaret it's not burlesque and all those are wonderful there is something of uh, when you put those costumes on you feel you feel like royalty, you feel regal, and there was that you ha- when we tell the girls like about what we're doing in the walks, you have to imagine the costume because that's mm-hmm. it's not you're not putting on an app, you put that on, and you feel like the most beautiful woman in the world, and so I thank you for your beautiful taste oh thank not you look at well, your it's art.
1: true it's true you know if 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 and i I know that Don has a bad rap about being awful sometimes right. <laughs> but you know uh we we all had to audition for him and and his and his insistence on first quality about everything started and ended with all of you that were on stage honest to god yeah. and i i and i used to i i sat through all of his auditions cuz i had to measure everybody and i used to watch kids and think how, how do they have the guts to get on stage? Number one, knowing how he talked to people, yeah. you know, get those fat legs off my stage, you know. And, and but, but the upside of it was he got the best people in the world because you guys were not only beautiful, but you could perform. You know, he wouldn't have people that, that couldn't deliver. You know, if you couldn't dance or you couldn't sing, you weren't in the show.
0: Well, you, you know, also can't wear something that exquisite. You have to rise to that occasion or you would just be buried under the costume. The, yeah. the costume would, they both have to work together to showcase each other. So that's where I feel like that, that is something that you can kind of teach people, but it really is that embodiment yeah. of beauty. But so people, if,
1: the, if the people aren't cast for that, you know, uh, to be beautiful, the men and the women, yeah. Uh, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, nobody wants to see the costume on a hanger.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> no, it's true. Honestly, yeah. God, it's true. It's uh, so you guys were all the what what made it work. You know, you were the the final component. But that's why he was so picky at auditions too. Yeah. You know, and I and I know I've seen him be hateful at auditions. But on the other hand, you think you know, then they're a dummy to, to come there and you know, look right. schleppy
0: Right. Or yeah. or be
1: heavy. If they know it's gonna be essentially an, a nude show or, or a very undressed show, you know, even if it's tasteful, you know, you're gonna see your legs. You can't have you can't have bad short legs and you can't and, and it doesn't matter if you know, if you sing like Judy Garland you know you you have to look good and you all had to be a certain height too
0: yeah
1: that's the other thing because I'm I'm uh five I'm five nine and a half I lied about it so so long (laughs) when I was a dancer I always told people I was five ten and a half (laughs) and I went in this year from my physical, and they said, Well, you know, you're a little over five eight and a half. And I thought, Oh, I'm either shrinking or I've really lied. Yeah.
0: I'll but
1: when I fit you guys, you know, it was it was hysterical. You forget how big the people are and how pretty they are. And I don't did you ever work with Ray Agion, Bob's no. partner? Okay. No. Well, Ray was about five four. And he was fitting for Bob when we were doing Jubilee, and we had a, a, a girl named uh, a Janet. Uh, I can't believe I can't think of her name. She was one of our five principals originally, blonde Janet, and she's a realtor in Vegas now. Wonderful girl and beautiful, beautiful woman. And I was just hanging out, having coffee, and Ray, Ray is fitting Janet in one of Bob's costumes and he was smoking a cigarette and she had her arms out and she was standing with her feet together and he looked at the front of it and then he walked under her left arm and he looked at the back of it and then he walked under her right arm and I started <laughs> laughing. He said, what are you laughing about? I said, have you ever seen the dog act where the dog runs between people's legs? I said, that's what you look like fitting. <laughs> You have no idea how big the people are yeah you know? put
0: those heels and the rest of it on there it's
1: yeah yeah well you know all all six of our or all five of our principal uh uh, uh nudes were over six feet tall yeah originally you know and a six foot woman in two and a half inch heels and then you put something big on her head, you, you know there's a lady coming down the stairs right. you. you. know, it's wild, it's wild. But, um, but I, really, I really feel that way about uh, the performers in, in, uh, in, in cabaret shows, particularly. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I appreciate, and one of the things, and I had the same problem working with the Rockettes, when you would clean a number, or, or do dresses, dress rehearsals, and you guys just either do a tiller. I had this problem with the tiller, the Rockettes. I'd start watching one girl and go, God, you know, she is just a killer on stage, you know? And the girls were, the nudes were all different. You know, if they weren't like the same woman, there would, there would be women who would be very sexual. There would be women who looked innocent there would be women and you know, it was like, and, and you, I'd start looking at one of them and all of a sudden the number would be over. And I wow. maybe looked at the line once and then some zeroed in on somebody who was performing well. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's, it, it was incredible. They were great. It was such a privilege to work on the shows. So I
0: think we're so good to come back and celebrate it together. Like, oh, we were part of this. Yeah. So we, yeah, just to to walk on
1: that, to walk in that theater and see how big that stage was.
0: And go, we, and to be young and like, whoa, (laughs) I didn't know how spectacular. I mean, I think I sort of did, but to come back with a different perspective, with a different gratitude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, we were part of history, that's for sure. You know, for for, uh, Nevada history. Yeah, and uh, that's why I wanted all the sketches together at, at the museum, because that's all gone now.
0: Well, and I am going to interview Karen, and I'm, we're going to talk about oh. preservation of the yeah. costumes because that makes me so happy to know that they're there to be viewed. They're not in a warehouse or burnt. But Pete, I have—I would love to thank you for the costumes that you design and the beauty that you've created. Not oh. in our all those shows, and like I am going to go look up all the movies that you were in but <laughs> also take, taking the time of us trying to figure out zoom during quarantine and how to get on <laughs> this, like learning. Yeah. But it, I really have just cherished getting to talk to you about, um, great, great. The it's been
1: fun. Yeah. It's been fun. It's a, a very complicated, uh, situation, uh, you know, doing those shows and, and very specialized and they, they were, I mean, they were fun for me. Yeah. But, but also enormous challenges, you know. Right. And um, but, uh, you know, God bless Don, you know, he was he was something else. He really was.
0: Yeah. I don't think anyone can ever rise to that or, or they'd be trying to copy it. He was so original. Yeah. So iconic. Well, you know,
1: he had he had his finger on the common pulse. He knew what regular people thought it was really beautiful. And, uh, and, and he poured it on them. If you look at both those shows, I mean, nothing is long. It's just, they just keep coming at you and coming at you. And I worked, uh, uh, I, I, I helped, uh, with Moulin Rouge in Vegas one time, uh, because, uh, Giorgio, uh, had cancer. So, uh, I, I built the clothes for him here in Hollywood, and then I went up to uh, uh, to watch them dress, and a friend of mine, Walter Painter, was, uh, was uh, choreographing, and they came down the staircase in the opening, and then they all danced on the deck. And I went, isn't anybody ever gonna get back on the goddamn staircase? <laughs> 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 you know, it it seems like such a simple thing, but, you know, unless you work with Don and you, and you saw, he blocked better than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And I've worked for Jerome Robbins. i worked for Fosse. I've worked, you know, for Mark and Didi. And, you know, he just, he could really do it. He could really do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, well, thanks for the, uh, <laughs> thanks for the chance to, uh carry on
0: yeah no it's so good it's i think it's just good to um have that appreciation with someone who understands like yeah you yeah. have a totally different understanding than my experience but there is that commonality that oh, yeah. my, my younger dancers i want to listen to this podcast because it's a it's an era they have no concept of what it was like to work in the 70s and 80s and work in paris work, i mean you just had so many options and, and they were all wonderful mostly
1: yeah i feel badly for uh I, I still teach uh, design at FITM and, and CalArts and and Disney. I've I've taught at Disney, and uh, I I just don't know what the kids are going to do. You know, you you don't, and a lot of them don't have very good portfolios. And you think, you know, but this I felt the same thing about dancers. You know, because when I, when I worked in, in the '60s and and uh, as a dancer. God, there was so much work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was making good money at, at 14 and 15 doing summer stock. And there's no summer stock to speak of anymore. There's the Muni in St. Louis. But, you know, and in those days, you know, if you did a role uh, and and got a good review or something, they'd call, you wouldn't even have to audition. They'd say, you know, your start date in, in uh, Melody Land is going to be April 15th or something. And, uh, and we're using the original Robbins choreography or we're, or we're not, we're going to re choreograph it. I mean, oh. I did, I did baby John in West side from the time I was 17 until I was 26. Wow. wow. Doing the yeah. yeah, And it's, you know, there was so much work for kids and, um, uh, And up to um, up to the MTV years, there was and there was still TV variety, and there was MTV for the kids. But I don't know what they do now except, you know, go on on ships and uh, stay drunk for six months. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Really, that's a problem with a lot of kids, you know, especially if they're young. And uh, and now, of course, I don't know what they're going to do about the ship shows.
0: That's kind of the last of those around the ships and if that goes away there's there's really not that it's that, it's that, gonna
1: it's gonna go away it really yeah. is and i i've done uh, ships bob and i both did ships starting in 91 i think we we both did princess for years and then i have still i have 13 ice shows on royal caribbean
0: really oh yeah. wow wow well, we will see if those, maybe there'll be a resurgence. Maybe there'll be an,
1: a, um, I don't think like, anyone's going to want to go on the ship.
0: Yeah. I don't, well, I think the ship thing might not be a thing like you said, but maybe there will be you know, like Vegas is all Cirque now, but maybe there will be a thing for, for the classy nostalgia.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I hate to be, you know, morose about it, but I think, Especially with uh, uh, the, the the current, I think we've evolved past that. I mean, I thought it was beautiful and I learned how to do it, but it's like learning to speak another language. And in the Me Too period, you know, uh, it's, I, I, I think we've come too far to, to go back to a, a topless show. Yeah. I really yeah. do. I really, really do.
0: Hmm. So. Maybe, maybe something new and different with a, a nod.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. well,
0: uh, about done. <laughs> um, but thank you again. And I will yeah, Thank uh, you. love to post some of your sketches so people can see some of your beautiful artwork.
1: Okay, well, I'll get I'll get that to you. And uh, do you want anything else if I can find anything?
0: Anything you want to send me would be wonderful. Okay. Yeah, so thank you so much.
1: You're more than welcome.
0: Totally a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Okay,